And here we are coming to you online. And uh, yes, we live in uh, exciting times where we need to change. And I want to take a moment to thank our incredible team that's been able to just make the last minute call and sacrifice and do whatever needed to be here. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that you've been able to join us and I hope you've been blessed so far with what God has been doing through this online service. I want to take a moment to talk about what's happening around us. Obviously, we're doing this because of the extreme amount of rain and areas that have been flooding in our state. And also in the middle of that, there's, there's globally things happening. There's, there's conflicts, there's a war going on in Ukraine. And I want to read to you Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 6. It says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, it's not a rumor. It is happening. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. There are famines and earthquakes and floods. And so here we are right in our beautiful state, in our nation, facing a flood. In fact, uh, just on my way here, uh, before I was getting ready to speak, I was calling some pastors, friends of mine, who, whose churches have been flooded, who cannot have a service in Toowoomba, in Brisbane City, in different parts, and just making sure that they're okay and checking in. And, you know, when times like this, things get destroyed. And, and obviously there are some of us, maybe our homes have been flooded, and maybe that's where you're at. And we want to take a moment to pray for you. We also want to take a moment to pray for the nation of Ukraine. And uh, I mean, globally, it's chaotic. And sometimes we can sort of think that it doesn't affect us. But hey, wherever there's humans, we are connected. We're all one family. And I've been seeing videos of believers in Ukraine praying in the subway, praying in the metro, praying underground. And so let's lift them up in prayer this morning. So why don't we pray? Father, right now, we just lift up the state of Queensland. We just lift up the season that we're in. And Lord, we just pray for safety and we pray for protection. We pray for your people uh, and family members, homes that have been flooded or potentially to be flooded. We just pray for divine intervention. We rebuke any sort of disaster uh, that could be chaotic and detrimental to people's livelihood and lifestyle and even the safety of people. We pray for protection on our roads, Lord, and we thank you, God, that you've given us dominion, you've given us authority to speak. And Lord, as your word says, that which you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And so we stand on that promise and we just speak into the situation right now. And Father, right now we even lift up the nation of Ukraine and Russia and what's happening there. Lord, we just pray, God, in, the, in, the, in, the sea, in this time of control and in this time of all sorts of indoctrinated agendas, Father, we pray for your kingdom in that situation. We pray for leaders to rise up. We pray for people to rise up and not just play a political game, but to rise up and say, this is what we're going to step into. We pray for the safety of kids, of moms, of families, of men that are willing to sacrifice. And Lord, I just pray, God, that there will be divine intervention, even in the middle of all the chaos that we're facing. In your most mighty, precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I was a bit divided. Obviously, there's a lot happening around us. And I just was wondering, what do I speak into? Do I speak into what is happening globally? Do I speak into what is happening locally? 
And at the same time, there was this word that was brewing in my spirit. And I was just wanting to see the relevance of it because we all seem surrounded. If you're on social media, you'll be seeing stuff. I mean, you'll be hearing stuff. And so you're sort of, we're all in that space, aren't we? But the one thing that is common for any, any moment is the will of God. People are always asking the question, what is the will of God for my life? How do I know the will of God? And in a, in a time of global war, war, in a time of local weather circumstances, I think it's important to ask, what is the will of God in my life pertaining to me? And, and if you are on our YouTube channel, if you were to look at this message called God's will is whatever, I preached this couple of, couple of years ago, this, that message is sort of part one to what I'm about to share this morning. This is sort of part two, but it's still, you don't need to watch that to get, be a part of this. But that sort of sets the foundation. In fact, my, my title this morning is quite daring. And I stumbled upon this thought this week. And, and the title of my message is, How does God's will work? How does God's will work? I mean, that's a dangerous title. That's an audacious title to come and tell somebody, this is how the will of God works. It's one thing to say, this is the will of God for you. But for me to say, this is, this is how His will works. And I really feel like this message was given to me, uh, in a sense, it was just downloaded in my spirit as I was reading a passage of scripture. And I believe it's going to be powerful. Um, what we've got to understand is that so many times people ask the question, what is the path ahead? I just, I just want to know a sense of direction. If you pastor a church or if you lead anything, you'll constantly have people wanting direction. People wanting a sense of what is the path that God has for me? Or people use words like promise or what is God's promise for my life? Or what is God's calling for my life? So there's a sense of I want to be on a path, some sort of path. Or there's a sense of what is God's promise or what is God's calling for me? So those are two words. And to really, really communicate and to really grapple this message, there are some key words I want to give you. The first one is path. The second is promise. So many in the church are constantly wanting to know the path that God's called them towards. Oh, what is the next thing? What is the next step? And, 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 and there are some people go as intense as, I'm not going to do anything until even God tells me where to order my coffee from. I'm not even going to order a coffee until God tells me what kind of coffee do I need to have. Do I need to have a flat white? Do I need to have a latte? Do I need to... And, and we, we can laugh at that, and, but there are people that live like that. They're constantly wanting to know the path, the specific path. Now, I don't think God always operates that way. But having said that, I've had moments in my own life where I was going in a certain direction and I had a tugging. Hey, don't go there. Go here. I wouldn't say at that moment it's not like God told me. It was just a feeling. And I went at that random place to order a coffee, for example, and I would meet someone that needed to be encouraged, that needed to be strengthened, that needed to be spoken uh, with the love of God, that needed to experience compassion. So God does have pathways, specific pathways at times that he puts us on uh, at a certain day or a certain week or a certain month. But we can't live our life just constantly wanting to know the specific pathway that he has for us. So we've got the word path. The second word is the word promise. And there are so many people that are obsessed and they are disappointed because the promise has not come to pass. 
I've been faithful. I've been walking with God for 20 years. I've been walking with God for five years. I've been walking with God for two years. I'm not seeing the fulfillment of the promise. And so there are some that, that, that are struggling with seeing the fulfillment of the promise coming to pass. Now the question this morning is, how does God's will work? So we've got parts, we've got promises, but what you've got to understand is God can point you to the right path, leading you to the right promise, but yet you can stuff it up. I mean, the, the best example is the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses. He takes them out from Egypt, puts them on the right path, leading to the promised land, and yet so many of them never entered the promise even though they walked the path because they did not carry the right attitude. Which leads me to my third key word, and the word is environment or ecosystem. Ecosystem. How does God's will work? God's will requires a path, requires a promise, but most important, even more, if I can be, uh, if I can be audacious enough to say, even more than the path and the promise at times, is literally the ecosystem, the environment around us that's going to be that's going to add, that's going to cause increase in us fulfilling that promise, or that's going to be detrimental in us not defining that promise. And so I want to give us some examples. Maybe you're not convinced. Abraham, God says to Abraham, go into the land that I will show you. He had not shown him the land yet, but he says, go. So Abraham steps out. So there is a promise, but it's not that specific. And he steps out and he goes and he goes and he goes. So there's a path and a promise. Another guy is Joseph. God says he has a dream. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be a captain. His brothers are going to serve him and sort of lean into him and look up to him and all that. And so here's a dream. So what is that? That is a promise. But then he's put on a path and he's sold and he's accused and he goes to the prison. But can I say to you, it's not the path nor the promise that helped Joseph fulfill the will of God, but rather it was the ecosystem. It was the environment that he held on to. It was the environment that he maintained that helped him fulfill to see the will of God come to pass. How does the will of God come to pass? Or how does God's will work? Another example is Daniel. We don't know much about Daniel's beginning. The Bible doesn't show that Daniel was given a promise. It doesn't show that Daniel had a dream. In fact, we find Daniel pretty much castrated, a royal slave of a king that's taken him from his family. That's, that looks so far from the path that Daniel would have preferred. That looks so out of God's will. Are you with me? That looks so away from the path of the promise that Daniel would have probably had as a young Hebrew boy. But yet... The book of Daniel has got nothing to do with parts and promises and everything to do with the ecosystem that Daniel maintained. He fasted, he prayed, he went after God, he prayed three times a day, he followed the system, the ecosystem, the environment around him, even in a confronting environment, was maintained. He created an ecosystem within a carnal system that was honoring unto God, and you will see that God's will indeed came to pass. Another example is Esther. No girl grows up with the ambition to be in the king's harem. 
No girl wants to be on the king's dating menu. No girl has that kind of a dream. But yet we find Esther, it's not an answer to her prayer. It's not the part that she preferred. It's not a promise that she was given. But here she is, and we find that here's a girl who did not have the part set for her, who did not have a promise given to her, but yet was able to again maintain the environment, the ecosystem that eventually put her on the God path, that put her in the promise that God had for her. Now that I've begin to explain this, and you will see this through and through Scripture, that so many times it's not so much about the path or the promise, but a lot of times it's about the ecosystem or the environment that we're willing to carry to see God's work fulfilled. And so, I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. This is what caused this message to come forth, and you will find the word, the will of God in there. It says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of How does the will of God work? This is how. So as I was reading this a couple of, couple of days back, I felt the Holy Spirit say, it's not just verse 18, read the whole thing in its context. And I want to read that to you this morning quickly, and you're going to get it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect wholeheartedly, love because of their work, and live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, when I read that to you this morning, you're like, that just sounds like a letter from Paul to a to a people in Thessalonica, but let me tell you, that is what I call seven atmospheres of this ecosystem. That's what we're going to talk about, seven atmospheres. The first one, the first one, the first atmosphere. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Here's my first one, honor your leaders, honor your leaders. I wish this was my last point. It gets really deep right there. But this is just sort of the sequence that Paul has written it in. If you want to work, walk in the will of God, if you want to understand how God's will works, God's will works in an ecosystem of honor. So you've got to understand Israel was under Moses' leadership and was on the right path heading to the promise, but yet because they were not willing to honor his leadership, there was constant run-in with the vision and the direction of their leader, Moses. And so many of them, when they fell out with Moses, in a sense, fell out of the will and the promises of God. And you've got to understand that when God is taking you somewhere, He will have leaders that will speak into your life. He might have people that you need to talk to, that you might need to check in, that guides you. In fact, I have, these, have this written in my notes. When I'm in doubt, I ask. When I'm not in doubt, I ask even more. When I'm in doubt, I ask. But when I'm not in doubt, I ask even more. I've come to realize in my life, it's when I'm in doubt, it's, it's not normal for me to reach for help. It's normal for me to get some help. But I found it's when I'm not in doubt that I have to go, hey, let me just check with somebody else. Let, let, let me just allow someone to speak into this. No, and, and here's the thing, right? We all know people that will agree with us. 
but, but, but there are people, there are some specific people that God's put in our world that we know we will bring the word of the Lord even when it feels inconvenient, even when it feels uncomfortable. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Let's have two or three witnesses. When I'm about to step out to make some, some big decisions, I want two or three witnesses. In fact, even currently, I'm navigating through some things in my life where I feel God's calling me to a certain situation, to a certain uh, circumstances. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm having this confirmation in my spirit. It's constant. But even this week, I said, God, I, I need another confirmation. I want it to come from an unusual source. I, I'm not even going to ask this, but I'm going to just treasure this in my heart. So you've got to have that right posture. So I'm just going to treasure this in my heart. And just, just yesterday, some situations happened, some things came forth, and, and, and something that I'd not mentioned to a single soul gets called out. Literally, this is in your heart. This is what the Lord is about to do. And it's like, wow, okay, God, we're listening. God, okay, we, we, we're here. Because what is it? It's not about so much me going after that thing. It's about maintaining a posture that says it's in my heart. God, at the right time, you speak. Let there be two or three or four or five witnesses that confirm what is happening. Honor your leaders. That's the first one. The second one, the second atmosphere. Verse 14a, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Here's the second thought. The second thought, the second atmosphere is be on the move. Be on the move. I found that those that God uses mightily are those that are willing to move regularly. Those that God uses mightily are those that are willing to move regularly. In fact, so many times I meet people that tell me, you know, Pastor, in 1995, God did this and 98, oh, 98, we did this and, and, and 2008, oh, it was the golden era of my life. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And I don't say much because you, you want to encourage that and you want to bring that testimony forth. But so many times you can put two and two together and you will notice that the reason why 2008 was so fantastic was because that was also the year you moved the most. That was the year you set things into motion. That was the year you took a step of faith. That was the year you said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in. This. And, and we're living in a time where it's very unpredictable with COVID and floods and all sorts of things. And a lot of us have become cautious and fearful. We don't even know about it. But I want to encourage you to be on the move. Paul says to be on the move. Now, the moment I say this, you might, you might misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not asking you, I'm not asking us to be more busy. We all can be busy doing a hundred million things. I'm not asking us to be busy. But what I am saying is I find that so many times people are just waiting and waiting and waiting and they begin to find comfort in the waiting because the waiting is predictable. The waiting can be scheduled. The waiting has a timetable. The waiting has a roster and will never make a move and will forget that God is attracted to movement. God is attracted to movement. He's attracted to motion. He's attracted to stepping out. And what I love about this message is, this is just a very spiritual message, but it's also a very practical message because at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take one step, one single step in the direction to see the path and the promise that God has for you. Here's the third atmosphere, the third atmosphere. Brothers and sisters, verse 14, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage 
those who are timid. Here's my third atmosphere. The third atmosphere of this ecosystem. Be an encourager. Be an encourager. Let me tell you down, put church, I like to be encouraged more than I want to encourage. We all do. I like you to tell me something good about me. In fact, I hope after this message, you put a message in the comment section or if you have our number text and say, how amazing was that message? I feel so great about it. But the truth is we all want to be encouraged. But you know what? I've noticed that one of the greatest ways to enter into the workings of God's will is for me to be an encourager. Even when I'm discouraged, even when I'm not getting encouragement, even when I'm not receiving any words or confirmation or anything, can I become an encourager? A sure way to maintaining the ecosystem is to be an encourager. One of the greatest examples in scripture is Joseph. We spoke about him already. But Joseph, at this point of his life, is in the prison. He's been accused of stuff. If anything, he should be the most discouraged guy. He's got a gift when it comes to dreams, but it's his dreams that got him in the trouble, got him in trouble in the first place. So if anything, he should not be using his gifts. He should be offended with his gift. He should be complaining about his gift, saying, I'm never going to serve with this gift. But he's in the prison. And in the prison, one of the guys have a, has a dream. And the guy comes to him and Joseph says, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm still in prison. But this is what the dream means. The dream means you're literally going to be rescued. You're going to get out of here. He starts encouraging the guy, saying hope for another day because you're going to make it out of here. He's not even saying about his situation. He's still in good old prison land. But he's talking to the guy and saying, you're going to get out of here. Think about the encouragement that he was in the middle of his disappointment. Let me tell you, God is att attracted to people that, are, that have an encouragement in their bones, that have an encouraging spirit around them. Yeah, when we, when we, we're not sure of the path and we're not sure of the promise and we feel a thousand miles away from God. We feel a thousand miles away from the promises of God. Yet, when we choose to encourage, we got to understand that that is the working of the will of God. The moment you encourage somebody, even when you feel like you're not in God's will, you suddenly step in to the working of God's will for your life. Here's my fourth thought. Forgive your enemies. Check out what it says in verse 15. Literally, this is one portion of scripture. Verse 15, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good things to each other and to all people. You got to understand this downpour. An attitude of revenge is the, is the quickest way to move you out of the will of God. An attitude of bitterness is the quickest way to get off the path, to get off the train of God's will for your life. In fact, one of the greatest examples in the Bible is Abraham. God has a conversation with Abraham. And in this conversation, God says to him, I will bless those you bless and I will curse those you curse. You know what is amazing? The book of Genesis, Abraham carries quite a few chapters on there. It carries, it covers a few decades of his life. You will notice there's not a single scripture where anyone was cursed by Abraham. There was not a single scripture. In fact, he had a long time between when God gave him a promise and when the promise was delivered. There were others, in fact, in Abraham's life who it seemed like surpassing, surpassed him. You've got to understand Abraham has a nephew called Lot. Lot has two daughters. The daughters are so old. I mean, Lot is so much younger than Abraham. 
but the daughters themselves had been advanced in age that they are married and about to have kids of their own. Think about Abraham looking around and it seems like everybody even younger than him, everybody that was behind him seemed to surpass him. But yet Abraham was cut off, he was cheated, people who got blessed even by being around him, not trying to cut him off, he never once cursed them. He only blessed them. He only forgave them. He only spoke life to them because you got to understand if you do not forgive, revenge becomes your path. The moment you choose to take on revenge and the moment you take on that unforgiveness mantle, that becomes your calling. And I say this from personal experience. There are people in my world in, in, in the years gone where I became their central focus for whatever reason things happened and, and people you know, got offended or hurt and, and it was me that became their mission and their vision and their purpose in life. And, and it was like, it was a confusing season because like, wow, wow, I don't, I don't even know if I'm that important that I need to become your vision and your mission in life. But that's what this, this thing does. When you take on revenge, when you take on unforgiveness, when you take on bitterness, you get off the path that God had for you because you've taken on an environment that was never meant to be and you build another ecosystem that takes you in the wrong direction. Here's my fifth atmosphere, fifth atmosphere, which is verse 16, and that is always be joyful. Always be joyful. You know, joyful, joy rather, is a perspective. Joy is a perspective. Joy is the knowledge that you have something in eternal places. Joy is an eternal mindset. It's not based on what is happening, but it's just the joy that you carry. Joy is a, is a perspective, but joy is also a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is the person of joy. You can have a mind that is depressed, but when you're connected with the Holy Spirit, your spirit will be victorious. Your spirit will come in contact with victory when you come in contact with joy. Joy is also an attitude. Even when you feel like you're off the path, you can put on an attitude of joy and you will find like you're on the path. I'm telling you, it is so powerful when you walk in this. Always be joyful. Number six, which is verse 17, is never stop praying. When you feel like you're inside God's will, when you feel like you're outside of God's will, don't stop praying. Probably you're like, how's that possible? I'm married, I've got a home, I've got kids, I need to get to work. How's that possible? I'm not saying sell everything, get rid of everything and just do an endless prayer meeting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a divine connection. I'm talking about how our phones are always connected. We've got 4G, 5G connections. We're connected to, 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 the, to what is around us and our phone is constantly downloading even in the background when we're not checking it. In the same way, I'm saying having a spirit that's connected to heaven. How do you do that? One of the most practical ways you can do that is by worship. In fact, just this week, we had night of worship. Man, it was amazing. It was, I was just amazed at our people, Downport Church. I want to give you a hand. I want to applaud you. I want to celebrate you. We worship for, I think, an hour, 15 minutes. Just worshiping, just worshiping, just worshiping. You know what was doing? Your, your capacity to receive 
your capacity to lean in, your capacity to linger, your capacity to hunger after God was just growing as you're worshiping. You've got you to understand that when, when Paul says, pray without ceasing or never stop praying, he's talking about a continuous conversation with heaven. In fact, he says this in, in another uh, chapter in the Bible, he says, for we've been seated in heavenly places. You know, when you close your eyes and pray, when you pray instantly, you have a seat in heaven. You have a connection. You have a point of contact with heaven. And so you might feel far from God. You might feel distant from the promise of God. You might feel like you're not walking on the path that you thought, that's the path I need to be going. But I seem to be going that way. Well, even if you're going that way, even if life is taking you that way, pray. Just like Daniel. He, he thought God's going to do great things for him in Israel. But yet he's taken to a foreign, carnal, idol, idolatrous nation. And yet there he chooses to pray. Pray without ceasing. You've got to understand the more conversations you have up there, the more you will walk in His perfect will down here. It's amazing what happens when you begin to pray. And here's the seventh atmosphere, the last one of this ecosystem. Be thankful. Be thankful. Gratitude. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 18. Be thankful. Grat gratitude is, is such an underrated activity. We, we, we consider gratitude like, like, like kindy or something like that. It's like, you know, kids' church. It's, you know, baby stuff. In fact, I've met some people that have stopped becoming gracious or thankful because they think that's what mature people are. Mature people are not, not saying thank you. Mature people have no sense of gratitude. If that's what the world calls maturity, I don't want that maturity. I want the faith like a child. I want that faith that a child has a sense of gratitude, that sense of graciousness. In fact, I want to take a moment right now. I know we're online, but you can do where you're at just like I'm doing right here where I'm at. And we have a saying here at Downpour where there is no distance in the kingdom of God. And I want to take a moment right now to thank God. God, I thank you. I thank you for every moment in my life. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you have not done. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for everything that is happening in our world right now. Yes, some of the stuff seems confusing. Some of the stuff is great material for me to have a complaint. Some of the stuff is fantastic for us to write a book about. But Lord, right now, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you. We're so thankful for everything that you've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord. That sense of gratitude is such a powerful thing. Such a powerful thing. And those are the seven atmospheres you need to carry for this ecosystem. And you know what the truth is? There are times when you cannot control the path. And there are times, a lot of times, you cannot control the promise. Sometimes I want to go a certain path, but I don't have the money, I don't have the schedule, I don't have the circumstances, I'm not pointing in that direction, oh, I want this, I want that. Or maybe it's a promise, oh, God promised. You know what? But you know one thing you can control? It's the ecosystem. You can maintain these seven things. You know what I come to realize that when I walk in these seven attitudes, in these seven environments, in these seven atmospheres, it produces an ecosystem that is attractive to the will of God. 
And I've come to realize that even if I'm outside of God's will for whatever reason, He opens the door and puts me on the path that He needs to, me to be on and sets me on the pathway to the promise that He has for me. I think the danger is we live in a culture that is obsessed with the path and, and, and obsessed with the promise. They're fixated with the promise because the promise gives you the look. The promise gives you the feel. The promise, promises is what you want to put on your Instagram notification. That's what you want to put up. Nobody wants to put the, 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 the ecosystem. I don't want to put about how I'm honoring somebody or how I'm joyful or I'm grat gratitude or, you know, I'm obedient or any of these things. Or I'm forgiving. Nobody, I don't want to put online that I forgave someone or I'm repenting, or none of these things are attractive, right? But let me tell you, these are the invisible workings of how God's will works for our life. And so with that thought, I want to give you one practical step. Like, what, what is one practical step? Now, there's a lot of things happening around the world, but the church of Jesus Christ must stay focused on its vision. And so what we're doing here is next week, we're kicking off this thing called Discovery. Because we said just before, one of the atmospheres is God is attracted to movement. And I need you to take a step. And the step I need you to take is I need you to sign up for discovery. Now, if you've already done discovery, maybe you've been in downpour longer than a year, two, three years, whatever. We are rewriting this whole thing. In fact, it's completely new. And it's actually come out of the heaven experience that I had a few months ago. Where I begin to see the heart of God for His church in a, in, in a, in a bit more of clarity. And it's given, me, given us some new values, some new pathways, some new environments that we're going to cultivate here at Downpour. And so even if you're on team, even if you're serving, can I encourage you, sign up for it. And it's going to be fantastic. Our leaders are going to be in touch with you. And that's one practical way that you can be a part of discovery. I think it's going to be amazing. All right. Now, before we even close the service, I want to give a moment. I want to give you a moment to receive Jesus. Because maybe you're like, that's great, there's discovery happening, this happening, but I'm not walking with God. And you're like, God feels far from me. I feel a million miles away from God. But you know what? One of the thoughts that I shared with you this morning is God is attracted to movement. And I need you to take a step. And the step might be receiving Jesus. The step might be saying, you know what, God, I want to step into your plans and purposes. I want to know this God. I do not know where my life is going. I feel so distant. I do not know what's going to happen at the end of my life. Friend, I want to give you an assurance that you put your faith in Jesus and He'll come into your life and it'll be a new day. Things will change. I'm not guaranteeing you physical blessings, but I know everything in eternity will change for you. So if that is you, I want you to put a comment. I want you to email us, hello at mydownpour.com. I want you to jump on our website, Instagram somebody, Instagram me. Do whatever, get in touch with us so we can pray with you. But regardless of that, right now, let's pray. Father, I pray for each and every person that's taking a step. Be it one of our people, one of our, everybody at Downpour that's saying, I want to be a part of discovery. Or be it a person that's saying, I want to take a step for Jesus. I want to take a next step towards God. I want to receive Jesus regardless of where they're at, Lord. I lift them up. And Lord, we pray together right now. Jesus, come into our hearts. Come into our lives. We, we, from today forward, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. And Lord, we just invite you as our Lord, as our Savior, and we walk away from our old ways of thinking and our old habits. Now, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Put within us a deep desire for you.
From this day forward, we are a new creation because we've been founded in you. We believe this, Lord. We say it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, downpour, it's been a joy bringing this word to you. And I just want you to know that we are here for you. We are on your side. And more than us, God is on your side. He's on your side. He's beside you. Yes, we're not meeting physically right now. But there's a presence that will never leave us nor forsake us. And His presence is right where you're at. And I just want you to know that God is beside you. Reach out to us if you need prayer. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you. But we, will, we, will, we want to stay in touch, so reach out to us. But we hope to see you next week in person right here in Brisbane. We want you to know we love you. I want to say God bless you.